Welcome, guys, uh, to another episode of Teo Podcast, The Pandemic Press. And today, our special guest is Stephen Craig. Um, he's a teacher uh, living in Colorado, right up in the mountains. And before we dive right into the conversation we had, I would like to talk about this because it's a really hot topic Um whether to take the vaccine or not. Now, with the new data that's coming, especially from the news, the CDC reported over 4,000 cases of uh, people who are developing um, COVID-19 along with the Delta variant are actually vaccinated people. Now, there has been so much news saying that people have died from the vaccine itself now if you take a look at the numbers yes we have 7 billion people and if you see um the death rates it's like more than 4000 people are dying per continent and yes that isn't much but still that those are people that are dying and what is the best a thing you can do for your country is to take the vaccine out of the market. And that's the best decision you can make for your country. And why isn't anyone doing that? Because when we have previous vaccines that were actually entered the market and they were actually running these trials, what they would do is if there were more than 54 deaths, it would be taken out of the market. Why aren't and why isn't anyone doing this? Why that's the question I'm asking because there are people, people right here, um, especially nurses and doctors, are going on strike because it's blood on their hands. If they give the vaccine and the patient dies, that death, okay, is on their hands, whether you like it or not. And also I need to talk about, uh, I also talked about this in the previous episode, if you guys actually listened, it's called, um, in, the, uh, in the final part of the episode, I said there is a penal code, there is a penal code that says Dis- discrimination of health is illegal, so why uh, is the government or uh, political leaders imposing health passes or vaccine passports because um, this is, again, it's illegal. And if if you discriminate against others, this is an illegal action. You must take more like, you must think about the law before making an, um, before bringing about an action, a stern rule such as this one. That's why you you hear uh, like four uh, hospitals have gone on strike on Nice as well as uh, Montelima and they're actually fighting for their freedom 
because these type of decisions um, go against democracy. And also, why, again, why is the results of people getting COVID-19 is incredibly false because the PCR tests are incredibly wrong. Like, it's inaccurate. Why? Because it can't distinguish a COVID-19 um COVID-19 case from other flu-like diseases, which then again brings inaccurate results. Nobody should mandate vaccines. Um, and obviously, now the COVID-19 cases are obviously increasing. And also they put uh, uh, patients who have died from any other thing, and they just exaggerate the situation by putting putting those patients as death of COVID-19, even though they died of something else. Plus, you have that and also the fake, um, we have tests that already come positive. And without doing a further evaluation, these numbers are wrong, I would like to say. And I like, this is this is the truth. You have to face it. I know taking medication is right, but in this case, you have to think for yourself. And you have you. I respect people who look at both sides of the situations and take a make a decision that is that actually benefits them, because in this situation, a lot of people need critical thinking. I wish that there was some sort of equation in which uh, you could actually calculate whether you fall under the category to take vac the vaccine or not. But I, even if you disagree with me, I completely support you because we live in a country, we have freedom of choice, we have freedom of speech and everything. Also, when you're getting nasal swabs, I just saw the contents was uh, ethylene oxide. Yes, we uh, a lot of the equipment, medical equipment, are sterilized by EO, but uh, it's also you have to actually take a look at the other side as well because there are um, ethylene oxide. EPA has concluded that ethylene oxide is carcinogenic to humans by the inhalation routine of exposure. And this is from the EPA.government, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Um, evidence in humans indicate that exposure to ethylene oxide increases the risk of lymphoid cancer and for females, breast cancer. So I know that um, for a fact that Maybe traces of ethylene oxide are left after sterilization, but when the patient use it, uses it repeatedly, those tiny amounts add up, and that is also a negative factor for your health as well. So I just want you to actually know this information, and it's better to be aware of it. Um, I'm not saying just because I... I didn't take the vaccine, I'm forcing others to not to take the vaccine. No, I'm giving you information. I'm making you aware of the details, the science, because I want you to know, okay, your health is at risk. 
anyways because of these tiny things that are available in the in medicines itself anyways your health is at risk that's what i want to say anyways let's dive right into the conversation i had with steven craig very different than where i live i you know i'm up in the mountains in in colorado but that's also really beautiful you know i also want to like live on like top of the mountains like completely like isolated from the city it's it's funny i generally think of we i do where i live uh is uh fairly um removed but it gets uh it's about an hour away from denver uh and uh we went to go out to go to dinner last night and uh the amount of traffic that was coming through and whatnot it gets um it gets more and more urban all the time so yes anyways we'll move right on to the questions yeah please yeah. go right ahead okay so according to the events occurring during the pandemic so far how has the, it impacted the way we see our culture and society it's what's interesting in, in the united states uh i think it's particular to the united states um that we have seen this somehow or another expose uh the political divide and it's somehow or another um it is somehow or another exacerbated that political divide that of course started uh as part of you know in 2016 with the election of president trump um but has that's been a recurring theme is this this political division and um you know you could argue that uh that was exacerbated by russian interference and that you know that um there have been forces outside of this country that have tried to try to uh amplify that divide um, but where what I have found really fascinating in what has happened during the whole pandemic is that there's been this push uh, from some people to listen to scientists, to listen to the people who who um, who epidemiologists who know what they're talking about and understand the science behind all of this. And then there has been this willful push uh, by our society, by a, a fairly significant size. Uh, of our demographic, of our society that uh, push towards uh, willful ignorance um, and are easily manipulated by misinformation. And that, that push, um, that push I think is, is it's certainly uh, awakened us to the dangers of where that can lead. Um, to, as I've said before, we, when here we are at this stage in the pandemic and, and in the United States, 50% of our population, rock roughly, right? 50% or so of the available population has decided to go and get vaccinated. Even though we live in a country that's privileged enough, um, our economic wealth and prosperity allow us to have enough shots for everyone. Um, we still sit there with a whole bunch of people who thumb their nose at all of it and say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and I think that that's exposed a, um, a divide that says, I don't care, e even to the point of their own detriment, right? Like we've, the evidence that's now coming out is that 99 point something percent of the hospitalizations and deaths uh, of COVID at this point from the Delta variant are people who aren't vaccinated. Uh, and they just still continue to ignore that 
really relevant data. It would yes. be relevant to me if I weren't vaccinated. <laughs> um, yes, I think it goes both ways here. I think uh, you have to see both sides of the situation. I think they should have their responsibility. They should take into consideration everything that's happening and they should make their choice if it's their choice. I think um, that's the point of democracy and freedom in the in this country. Like we need that sort of freedom to make our own choices if they don't want to get vaccinated. That's their choice. But wear the mask. So <laughs> Right. The um I, I agree with you. I'm not I I, I would always be um, leery of any kind of like Orwellian control, right? Where the government comes in and says, you must do this. Um but I think it, there in France uh, with Mark Hone, I think he's taken the right approach and said, you know what? Um, I do believe that people should have the right to, um, to have their own choices. And I actually just wrote about this this week um, in a column entitled America the Selfish. Uh, we have to begin to realize um, part of what the pandemic has showed us is that our own individual choices also have larger ramifications for those around us. And by having so many people refuse to get the vaccine, it has allowed this continued spread uh, to people um, who, even to people who are vaccinated, even though obviously the cases are far more mild, um, and then to children, right? We have kids that are under the age of 12 that can't get the vaccine. Um, and while the original uh, variant of, the, of COVID was fairly, um, fairly innocuous for kids under the age of 12, um, that's not the case anymore with the Delta variant. Like we've seen kids going into the hospitals. We've even seen, seen deaths with kids under the age of 12. And at some point or another, we have to recognize that our own individual choices have impacts on others. So if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But then you don't get to go and enter the public sphere yes. And, yes. And, and impose your choices, right? And impose the choices that you make as an individual upon others, i.e., Right. I think Marcone's got the right idea. You're not if you don't get vaccinated, you're not going into restaurants. You don't get vaccinated. You're not going to concerts. You're not going. You don't get to enter the public sphere and take that individual choice because I get a choice, too. And my choice is to prioritize my health and my kids health over your stupidity. Yes. <laughs> not you. Right. Not yours. But right. The people who. Um, have sit there, sat there and said, I'm not going to listen yeah. to science. You have every right to do that. Now, I don't yeah, want to be. The, it's, it's, it's not only that. I think it's like, um, it's because it's happening in both ways. Because when you're injecting a vaccine, a vaccine contains um, the harmful version, or harmless version of a, a virus. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, if you take uh, the Zypher and uh, the Moderna, they are like, they have nanotechnology. So everything that comes out so soon, in the speck of time, you should realize not all medications are really effective in that right. case. So there is also another side to a story that is happening. It's like it's it's they're trying to like save themselves in both ways, I would say. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's uh, I think that that's probably right. Right. Like we there are going to be um, there are going to be ramifications and side effects up until this point. Um, the, the side effects from the vaccine have been relatively few and far between, okay, Yes. right. As compared to, you know, you take a look at the number of deaths that have occurred through COVID, um, in the United States alone last year, it was, it was 350,000. 
Yeah, but like even PCR is like really ineffective. So when they are t- trying to test for COVID, they actually yeah. can test for flu. And this is this is the this is what I'm talking about the inefficiency of the data and stuff like this. And um, right. yeah, so that I think that people are trying to like save themselves in both ways. Mm. And if it's if it's good, if it like I think that. Uh, a lot of the society is like really educated now because of internet and stuff like this and uh, they uh, they actually read up on the uh, news and they read up the other side as well what the news isn't telling uh, the people and i think that due to that they're taking their own decisions i think an informed I, i think that's exactly right you the first question that we started off with is how is the how is the pandemic yeah inevitably expose certain aspects of our society. And um, I, I too, like when the, to be honest, when the pandemic first started, um, I was like, oh, come on, listen, it's, it's not that much more deadly than the flu. Like if you took a look at the death rates, it's it largely, its impacts were largely being felt amongst uh, compromised populations, especially the elderly. And I was like, you know what, if, if I get it, it's no big deal. Um, but I continued what, like a lot of folks out there, I continued to read and, and find evidence um, to inform, better inform my opinion. I think part of the problem that we see in our society today um, is the weaponization of news sources. That news sources are no longer, you know, back in the, <laughs> I you know, hate to wax nostalgic about what news looked like 30 or 40 years ago. Yes. But there was the idea that um, that news news programming was lost leaders. It was done as a community out like news channels, whether it be the through television or radio. They they didn't make money on it. They knew that it was sort of a public service to provide unbiased news. And of course, that has changed dramatically. Um, and th- th- you can see it on both sides of the political aisle. Here in the United States, I think certainly Fox News uh, is the is the main purveyor of false and misinformation, um, but a deliberate attempt to take news and turn it into propaganda, I think that's become really dangerous, and um, and so that has really allowed for the spread of, you know, the the when we make choices about our in, about our health, we should be doing so um, with the best possible evidence and information. And I think that the, this spread of misinformation has really made that questionable. Yeah, that's also true because there are also lots of misinformation like on the internet and it's easily people can get confused. And that's why there are like doctors out there who are trying to tell both ways of the both sides of the story. But the right. thing is that um, when they try to do both sides of the story, they are actually banned from YouTube. Um because of that. And um, so I know like a group of doctors who like have made their own kind of organization called America's Frontline Doctors. So they, uh, yeah, so they actually tell you both sides of the story because they want you to know the uh, other side of the story that the news doesn't tell you. And that's why I think that people are, yeah, people, choose not to get the vaccine because of that situation. Right. I think that, I mean, take a look at right now we have the Olympics going on. Yes. Um, 
And Japan is obviously a, a highly industrialized, intelligent nation with uh, a generally a well-informed populace. Um, and yet we are seeing the, the implications, right, of, of a very low vaccine rate for them. And it, again, it's not because they don't have the financial resources. There's just a real high um, vaccine reticence in their culture. Um, and as such, uh, you know, they've had to lock down, almost virtually lock down the Olympics are uh, you look and it's the first time you've ever seen Olympics with nobody in the stands. And, uh, and, and I think that there is, as you've suggested, there's a middle ground to all of this. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't want to see us going back to, you know, to lockdowns and things like this. It's not healthy yeah. for our, it's just not healthy for us as human yeah. beings to be antisocial. Um, but there's there are things that we need to do in order to get there, right? Yeah, but like I uh, I also think that this pandemic is like te- trying to teach us something that we shouldn't um, always you know spend our time in the social circle. We should also learn to spend our time kind of like alone as well. Interesting. Um, I think that as a general whole, listen, there's always it, it, we all have very different personality types right there's that whole extrovert introvert uh, spectrum um uh, but there also um as a general whole the human species has uh, a certain sociological component we are driven by our own um by our own biological evolution towards right congregation in some sort otherwise the whole species would end if we didn't we didn't ever get together at some point or another um we would, the species would eventually run out. And and so we are driven by our own biology to some degree or another towards uh, social interactions. Um, And for example, just here, you know, I mentioned early on that I I live in a mountain community. Um, It's a fairly, we have a lot of tourism. (laughs) So there are- I I kind of like the kind of mountain community (laughs) actually. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. But we have a lot of folks, we have a lot of folks here, uh, oftentimes due to tourism. So, but the actual community that lives here full time is fairly small. And so, when the pandemic hit, um, obviously tourism became came to a complete standstill, and it was really just the people who lived here um, that uh, that sort of you know sheltered down together, hunkered down together. And, um, and there were a lot of, uh, they're actually within the, at the high school that I, I also, um, I'm also an educator and, uh, and I helped open a private school that's here. Um, and within the public school, there were a couple of suicides in our community, um, from kids who I think just felt so isolated, um, and became so despondent because of that. Um, so there is, right, there is a happy middle ground of saying, listen, we, on the one hand, we want to protect, you know, from the pandemic, but on the other hand, we also want to make sure that our, um, that the people in our community, we want to m- be aware of their mental health going forward as well. Yeah, yeah I think uh, people, uh, individuals as a whole in order to survive this uh, survive in this world I would say mental health is a new richness because that's what you should like strive to have to have um, to actually survive in this competitive world if that is not there then you can easily yeah you see you, you can easily like go down in this um, in this kind of sort of environment is 
if you don't have mental health mental mental health is the most important like component i would say to survive in such a competitive world and and if you look at leaders um you can see that most of the leaders are going towards dictatorship every time they try to want to control like a whole huge group um of society because they uh, they want to control their decisions and you can see that um this kind of like the country is going towards dictatorship we we certainly saw that uh, for yes. <laughs> we we came dangerously close um to somebody that really that you know um that really wanted to take us down that path um and that became even more evident i think on january 6th when we had um the insurrection on the the us capital where we had we almost had a force you know here america has often been held up as the shining beacon of what democracy is uh and yet we almost saw that shining beacon uh go down in flames um as people tried to overturn a you know a democratic election and say you know what i don't care what the election results say <laughs> i'm going and the same thing there like the this idea of throwing out evidence um right they, they, there was clearly plenty of evidence for anybody who wanted to read it that the elections were fair and just and everything else um and yet you had uh this push by some people towards uh, an autocratic regime um the people in power will always push right i i don't know if that's anything new that push towards um dictatorship as you put it but rather um a higher susceptibility of the right people leaders only only get as much power as the people give them yes. and i think there's a greater and greater push um amongst certain segments of the population and again a lot of this is being fed by misinformation but a greater and greater push to put that kind of um dictatorship in the hands of those who would use it yes and uh, this actually escalates a lot of fear for the public itself so they have to maintain it they have, they have to control it like i would say because the thing is that like we humans we tend to focus on the negative things more than the positive things for some reason no matter how many things are going well off in our lives we tend to focus on the negative things yeah. and we just need to learn how to balance it to especially during a time like this so i would say the pandemic is trying to tell us to uh learn how to balance that sort of uh, reactions we have because i think that um that's why people uh go uh, go like try to end their lives in the first place because of all this everything that's happening around them right well inevitably your peace and happiness have to be internal to yourself you yes. were we were talking just a second ago about mental health um we've focused for our society has been so focused on our exterior physical health for so yeah. long that we've uh ignored our own interior mental health um but that is a big part of it we should be our society needs to be as focused on our own interior well-being as anything else um but that is that has been a big push and also we should learn how to like talk like speak our truths because i'm also like for me i think the biggest challenge is um that i figured out during this pandemic is 
me trying to project my truth towards other people. So kind of like conveying what I'm, what, what I'm going through during this pandemic. I think it's also a really cool healing effect. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the point of having a podcast, right? I mean, (laughs) right. That whole point of having a podcast is to share. And I think the internet, um, and it's had both really positive and really negative effects of giving everyone a voice. Um, the, the positive of course, is that everyone at, at this point in our society really does have a voice. You can go out on any number of social media platforms. Um, you can host, host your own podcast. You can do, do all of these different things. Um, but because of that, because everyone has a voice, it drowns out, right? So many voices. So, right. It becomes diluted yeah. in terms of how many voices are heard. Um, that part, I think is, it's great that we have those voices. Um, but I wanted to get back to another point that you suggested about the pandemic teaching us certain lessons. Um, I felt, uh, I I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day and, um, we both agreed. I I feel really horrible in that, um, for me, the 2020 was, was a fantastic year. Um, I spent, uh, I spent most of the summer camping outdoors. Um, you know, when it became clear now I have, uh, my ex-wife, um, is, uh, is immune compromised. Um, and so we talked about that balance. Um, I, I, knowing, uh, her situation, I tried to make sure to be really, um, I, I really wanted to make sure that she didn't get it. And so I made choices that, you know, reflected that. And, uh, but if you think about how the virus spreads, uh, it did afford us a lot of other, while it closed down a lot of things, um, it opened up a lot of others. Like, uh, and as I said, I spent most of the summer uh, camping and being outdoors, being on my bike, um, and actually really enjoying, uh, really enjoying the time, doing a lot more reading. Um, other pe- other folks uh, struggled a lot to be able to find those same play- points of happiness in the midst of. Yes, the I, yeah, like uh, it's so refreshing to go out camping and uh, kind of like observe nature itself. I mean, like a lot, a lot of time pa- goes by and then you don't even like, I think society is like addicted to their technology for some reason. And that's why right. they can't find that sort of inner peace with nature itself, connecting their, themselves with nature. And I think that that's the biggest struggle during the pandemic because once uh, the, the um, social circle is like cut off from their lives, they they would they would find different uh, other ways to get that back and without like without actually looking at the connecting to nature and uh, creating a sort of um, I don't know inner peace within I think that's exactly right now I was in a position that allowed that a lot better you know I was um, at the as the when the pandemic started I was teaching in a school um, and we went to remote learning pretty quickly, you know, and uh, that uh, that actually made my job much easier. Um, but as the next school year started in August, um, it became clear that the school I had, was teaching at was going to try to do a hybrid model. 
And I was like, I just, I can't do that. My kids aren't going to be, my kids are going to be doing remote learning for the foreseeable future. They ended up doing remote learning all the way through this school year. Now they're going to go back to the classroom. My kids have been vaccinated. They're going back to the classroom in a couple of weeks. They're really excited about it. Um, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to be in the classroom this year. Um, and so I took advantage of that um, in a way that was really, really wonderful for me. But there are a lot of folks who were in positions that didn't have that opportunity. Um, and for example, our, our, the teachers and the, the guidelines that they've had to follow during the pandemic, um, it's, it's been a tough year for them. And we talked about mental health. Yes. Um, we should all be checking in on some of these. We, as a society, one thing I think we could have done, we should be doing a lot better is checking in on the folks yes. who, who the pandemic has impacted significantly. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, like these coming days would be the end of an old world and the beginning of a new era. So I wanted you to explain this because I think that, yeah, you could explain this much better. The, uh, so, 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 so say that one to me again, just read it back to me again. So it'll. So these, so these coming days would be the end of an old world and the beginning of a new era. Mm. I think um, that as we, we watch in the pandemic, right? Just what we're doing right here and right now, like you're in, you're in France yes. and I am sitting there like literally eight time zones away um, and thousands of miles and our, um, the way that we connect with each other. We talked a bit earlier about the need for um, human socialization, um, but the way that we interact with each other has changed so dramatically and it, it was already shifting um, significantly before the pandemic uh, towards um, towards a, a, a movement away from interpersonal connection um, towards connecting through technology. And uh, for example, a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic hit, I was out at dinner with a friend and I watched uh, four young women who were in their mid twenties maybe. Um, and they were all having dinner together and they, they said not a word to each other the entire dinner, but were on their phones communicating with other people who weren't there the entire evening. And I think that when I say the end of an era as we move from, I think we, we are beginning to watch um, that we, the depersonalization of our, of our um, interactions with others, that we're, we're witnessing um, a movement away from uh, it used to be that when you had relationships, um, that you had to look somebody in the eye, um, that you had to meet their meet their gaze and, and have a discussion with them. And now we can go on to Facebook and just tear somebody right, tear somebody yeah. apart, say horrible, horrific things, and um, and sit back. And there's a greater anonymity to all that. That part of that part of an end of an era. Um, I don't know where, I don't know that that necessarily comes back. And um, I think there are both good positive and negative aspects of that. But one way or another, that I think that's the reality that we're moving towards is towards greater technology, um, towards a more technological interaction between human beings. I think, I think there are also possible, like possibilities for new innovations to come up because like, now we faced a lot of problems during the pandemic and um, 
like people are be- becoming more creative i think yeah. that yeah so they they are bound to be more innovations and they are coming at a faster pace because they have to solve the problems that the pandemic caused so i would say that yeah so we are entering a world that probably like this is what i hypothetically think probably the um, doctors most of the, most of the doctors will be replaced by you know gadgets like innovation innovative gadgets so like you can actually get your like prescriptions right at home yeah fantastic right yeah right and there are of course going to be i mean the thing about society and technology is that we don't necessarily parse out the positive and the negative right like the example that you just gave that sounds fantastic right that um of allowing technology to right to um do a better job of um of doing medicine of of doing what doctors do of the you know of making clinical diagnoses etc without any interference of the human mind <laughs> it would be fantastic um but we don't parse out the things um we don't necessarily parse out the elements of technology that have negative repercussions yes. on humanity yeah. and that part of it um and it's coming so rapidly uh the technological advances at times are coming so rapidly that we don't have time to ferret out that which might necessarily negatively impact society like you know like does do, is tiktok really a positive development in our culture i, I don't, don't i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know even like i've been trying to like uh, grow a business through tiktok and i think i'm doing it wrong because I, <laughs> i'm kind of old fashioned i was born in the 90s i keep on telling that to the younger kids nowadays i was like <laughs> maybe i'm doing it wrong maybe i'm doing tiktok wrong but when i show myself on tiktok i seem to get more followers it's just that when i put my company stuff it seems boring i um i it's funny i it, it's when you say you're old fashioned you were born in the 90s i was born in 1971 so uh and i am definitely more old school and i'm an english teacher by trade um and i would watch my students doing these things on tiktok and they they just were the uh it just seems so unbelievably stupid um and uh and I, it's it's really very interesting i'll i'll give you another example i have a um the person who runs my website um and has done a lot of the marketing work for for my work um he's fantastic and um he's like you do really well on a variety of different social media platforms especially on facebook um he's like but you should start to do more on twitter It's like it you know it's a far more it's volatile you get a lot of you know if you you can get into a lot of and he's like and you can get into these arguments and it will expand your base and I'm like the last thing I want to do is start to get in arguments with people on in 140 characters or less right this is to me like not intellectual debate this doesn't push us further yeah. um and so uh it's again this is one of those things where pe- but people love it um but i don't necessarily know if it pushes our society forward if anything i think um like a social media site like twitter um gets us to the point where we don't necessarily fully flesh out the intellectual side of an argument i had a um a former student who uh who put on the end of one of my columns he he had some commentary 
And then he put an acronym that was uh, that I had to look up because I'm that kind of old. And, uh, and it meant uh, too long, didn't read. I was like, too long, didn't read. I, my column is literally called a thousand words or less. Like it's not, it's, it's, I think it's a five minute read. Um, but in, in our culture today, for some people, a thousand words is, is too much. And you're like, that's, that's, that's the limitation that we don't see. Yes, uh, for me, uh, like, I, I wanted to do something in my life. I just didn't want to end up in TikTok and then be famous for nothing. Like, I felt that I, I felt like that was stupid for me. So I don't know, like, that's my perspective. I know that people who want to do it out there, great, go do it if it makes you feel better. Uh, but um, like, for me, I wanted to do something else. And I wrote a book as how the world I like, I, how I perceive the world to be like, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, what, what, is that the title? No, uh, it's not the title. It's like, I made it uh, like a fiction book with everything that I've learned during my um, time in school and uh, university. So I put everything together in a fictional book. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, so like, it's, it's actually coming out pretty soon. And I actually made the cover and everything. And I was like, this is how I perceive the world. And I think the world can do much better than that. I, I like to think that the world could do a lot better, but the, like the, the world works in ebbs and flows, right? Okay. Like, um, and the world is, uh, and we as human beings to some degree or another have to want, on the one hand, try to shape it. And on the other hand, have to embrace it for where it is. Um, and I mean, is it like, here you are, for, how have you found the podcast to has the podcast given you that power to enable enable you to speak to your own perspective like for example on the pandemic yes I have uh, spoken on my perspective and I've given like the freedom for everybody to speak out their opinions as well like I just don't mm -hmm. like uh, only consider my opinion because um, I think that my opinions go against most of the world's uh, kind of uh, like um, topics so like for me it's like um, where do you find where do you find that your your opinion differs from the world when you say that you think that your opinion differs where, yeah, where yeah, your opinion it's differ? like, yeah because um, imagine to like uh, the question was to take the vaccine or not I would say no Okay. Um, and I'm a like I'm a scholarship holder and a previous medical student as well so Right. Because the thing is that that happened is that there are so many strikes occurring and uh, in hospitals, especially here. Mm -hmm. And um, because they are like they're giving uh, trying to show the world that there is something bad happening, happening with the vaccines itself. Maybe it doesn't affect everybody and it depends on fate, obviously. But um, we just try to give the world and that this, uh, the full view because I don't think everybody understands what's going on and the full bigger picture basically because nobody can see it and therefore like a lot of people can see only one side and then mm. yes and um, as like as as people from the medical sector like I feel I feel sad that uh, most of the people can only see one side I want to show them a full picture it baby put it in a movie form, which I am 
incapable of doing right now. But <laughs> I can only speak and I can only, but I write better than I speak because I am more organized that way. When I'm writing, <laughs> my thoughts are, uh, flow in a very organized manner. Interesting. I, um, I feel equally comfortable in both formats. Um, but I, I agree. I think that the, we ended up falling on different sides of the vaccine equation, yes. right? Like for me, it was a pretty, um, it, for me, it was a fairly obvious, uh, a fairly obvious equation. I, I yes. took a look at the science on both sides. Um, and of course there are inherent risks, right? Especially yes. when a vaccine is rushed out with that kind of, that kind of push. Um, and the, and virus, be... the virus is also really adverse like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very strong uh, virus compared to any other virus that we've seen before in history. And if you take a look at history, what has happened is that uh, human humans have evolved and like kind of like um, able to resist the harmful effects of the virus from the vaccine itself. So that, therefore, you have that evolution so that no, like everybody won't die all of a sudden just because there are uh, risk side effects coming from a vaccine so that so we have the evolution as because people people are getting people have these bodies that uh, adapt faster I would say to any type of risk so I mean like some people are like superhumans but not everybody are <laughs> like I would say Right. But at the same time, the, the, just as we evolve, so does, so does the virus, right? And yes. not just this virus, but viruses in general, um, they're going to inevitably evolve uh, so that they become, they, they become more contagious oh, and, and are able to inhabit yeah. the body easier. Um, and so, uh, and so it's that constant uh, back and forth, that Definitely. ebb and flow. Um, you see that with uh, forests as well. We had a, um, here in uh here up in the mountains we had uh were ravished by um by the pine beetle right and and so the um inevitably nature has a way of having an ebb and flow right of um taking out a certain amount of um this this ecological balance yes. um but we as human beings right we try to control we want to live forever yeah um and to some degree or another is the virus nature's way of saying, no, you don't, you don't get to live forever. And I think it's like, we have to, we have to also learn how to keep ourselves clean and like uh, kind of not uh, uh, taking the virus to our body. Because like, I think what we have learned throughout history is that we have learned how to become more cleaner and uh, be more responsible um, in our lives in, in um, not being able to like contract diseases. Like if you see children, the way yeah. children uh, get diseases is like this. We put you put them on school in school, and they will get a cough or a cold, or they come home and they give it to you like in a gift box. That's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, and I good metaphor. Like, yeah. So so even in history, when we look at all the pandemics. Pe the majority of people are still like that. They, uh, it is absolutely um, the majority of people still, I, I have always been horrible. <laughs> um, and I, I was a teacher and, um, but getting back to your point about the evolution, I rarely got sick as a teacher, yeah. almost, almost never. And I was around kids all the time. And yeah. so I should have been, I should have been getting sick fairly, fairly regularly. 
Um, but number one, uh, you know, I keep myself fairly healthy through my diet. I am terrible about being conscious about washing my hands and all the things like preventative. Like, yes. Yes. I, I can understand that. But like, uh, I don't know, like for some reason, uh, the way I was brought up is like, I am, I'm a really clean freak. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, it doesn't have to be a virus that's out there. A pandemic is out there. Right. I'm definitely going to wash my hands. Like every, everything I, every time I think that, okay, I just, I just touched a really dirty uh, item. I better wash my hands because of germs. I think I was like brought up that way. And right. I, yeah. But the question, so the interesting question then becomes, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Right. Because I was, I've always been horrible about that. Right. And I worked around kids and right. Does that inevitably then because I, I almost willfully, right, by not washing my hands well and not being very hygienic, um, do I then strengthen my immune system because I'm subjecting it to so much that I probably shouldn't, um, whereas... I think you don't touch your, like, uh, eyes, nose, mouth, ears, because those are the main openings. True, true. Um, right. That's, that's kind of gross anyway. Yes, uh, yeah. And I think, like, um, the majority of people still like I don't know they're careless about it and they touch their eyes nose mouth and they're yeah. like the, these are like ways to spread the disease and for some countries as I said in my previous episodes that they have op- overpopulation problems they, these are like um, yeah these are making the virus like able to spread quickly from one person to another at a really fast rate so there and are, that's, yeah, there are factors as well. Right. I mean, we, we should be really conscious of that. Like societies that do have, uh, you know, obviously China and India both have, uh, you know, if you take the amount of population in India, um, it's, it's about three times that of the United okay. States in a geographical area that's yes. about a third. So you have nine times, if not higher, the population density, which means that things are going to be far more communicable. Um, again, is that sort of nature's way yes. of, um, of, you know, sort of thinning. And, and you take a look at where the virus hit, particularly it hit vulnerable populations like the, like the elderly. Um, is this nature's way of sort of, uh, you know, eliminating. Yeah, eliminating. Yeah, human overpopulation. We are, after all, I mean, I wrote, uh, a, I wrote a while back um, a column that got... <laughs> It got, it was super controversial because I, I talked about overpopulation yeah. and about the idea that, you know, the idea of potentially and not government mandated. I'm always leery of that, but self self decision-making of saying um, of limiting yourself to two children and saying, you know what? And of course the people that, that angered people, you can yes. imagine, right. <laughs> Especially yeah. people who had more than two kids uh, got really angry about that. But to some degree or another, the planet is going to eventually dictate how many people we're, we're going to have. Um, at yeah. some point or another, is the virus just one more way of nature saying, no, stop? Yes, uh, but I, I think either way, the people who are meant to survive will survive. And right. people who are meant to leave, leave, even if it's sad. And then, yeah. It's uh, that to some degree or another is Darwinian evolution, right? Yeah. And it's a, it's cold, like uh, yeah. nature doesn't care. 
Um, the other one of the other populations that was hit hard by the pandemic were people who were obese, right? Yes. Um, and that they, they their um, their underlying health factors, whether it be diabetes, et cetera, um, left them vulnerable yes. to the to the virus. Is that and again, when you talk about the the virus and nature will thin the herd the way it sees fit. Um, I think that we to some degree or another, the virus is, is given us some lessons if we decide to listen. Yeah, it's, it's like there are people who are obese are kind of like at risk from the virus. And they're also at risk from the vaccine if you actually think about it, because the like, if you think about the definition of a vaccine. Right, it's a small part of the yes. disease. Right, so they're going to be even more vulnerable to that. Yes. So that's why we have to like think about everything and every aspect and try to like save like the people we actually know. Like I'm trying, right. yeah, I, I'm trying to do that for my family as well and anyone I know who comes under this risk category. Have you been able to, to try to um, convince, convince them? Yeah, I've been yeah. able to convince like people of my own country. But the thing is that because... I can convince people of my own country, but I can't convince people who have this, um, have, um, who are like science driven people, completely science driven people. Yeah. You can't convince them. If they are, if they have one, like if they have one point of view, they will stick to that. Like, yes. So, it's, yeah, it's that. so I was like, okay, it's your choice because I don't want to be a dictator and go around and say like, if we don't uh, obey me, like, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Our friendship is over. Like, it's not, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> right. You've got to be wary of the same, right? You were, you were clearly earlier in our discussion, clearly very wary of the movement towards autocratic regimes. You can't become the autocratic regime yes. that you, that you're so wary of. But the, um, you know, it, during the, during the lockdown, we had choices to make, right? We yeah. all, um, we had a lot of time on our hands and how we decided to spend that time was up to us. And there was a joke here in the United States that people put on the COVID-19, you know, 19 pounds, which is about eight, eight kilos, right? I mean, that's, that's a significant amount of weight for people to put on in a one year period. Um, and, but we had choices, like instead of sitting around and watching TV and eating pizza, um, you could have been spending your time trying to sit there and go, you know what, I am a bit overweight. I'm going to use this time to exercise and get my body healthier. Um, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> like people have to be like, um, I, I, I'm not going to ridicule people for like uh, their body or anything. I just want them to make better choices. Like, Right. This isn't about body shaming them. Yeah, this, this is about the fact that. Uh, yeah, this is about uh, making better choices for your lives because uh, I think that, yeah, I think it's better to go actually challenging your comfort zones. Like I do, like uh, I go hiking when I get the chance. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I was never able to hike uh, when I was younger and I was never like able to like be free when I was younger because of the culture I was raised in. And when I am not finally in a Western country, I have the opportunity to, to do everything I want. And that right. makes me feel like so happy 
at the same time it doesn't matter if um, there are less people now than before um to want to do it <laughs> makes actually our mountains are crowded as heck now with people um, and i'm of uh, two minds about it right it's it's made all of my my favorite hiking and biking trails are a lot more crowded than they used to be two years ago um but it it, it at the same time, what what do we want other than the, um, the for the people that we are our community around us that we love? We want them to be healthier. Yes. And again, this isn't about body shaming. Yes. It's about the idea that um, that living a healthy lifestyle puts you in a better position to have a good, long, healthy life. And the pandemic is just a reminder of that. Yes. The evidence is pretty clear um, that uh, that the two most vulnerable populations that people, the two groups that had the highest fatality rates uh, were old folks over the age of 70 and people who were, you know, um, who were defined as obese, right? People that were 20 pounds uh, I, or know, I'll, I'll put it as these two groups, elderly groups and uh, people who have like autoimmune diseases who are at risk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, we can move on to the other question. So like yeah. another question I saw in your profile that kind of interested me is how is yeah. modern politics falling into the realm of idiocracy? I say, say that one again. Uh, how is modern politics falling into the realm of idiocracy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, modern politics has fallen into that category. It matched the way that we talked about earlier that, um, that we've that we've started to uh, divide into our own two camps, yes. and um, and we have a tendency to um, to get our information and our news sources. It's it's ironic that the internet was always supposed to be this open flow of um, of information, and it was supposed to widen our world and our our world perspective because everything was suddenly available to us. Um, but what it's, ironically, what it's ended up doing is that it's, uh, is that our modern, our politics define the information sources that we inevitably um, adhere to. And so folks on the left side of the political aisle gravitate towards, towards that sort of information and folks on the right side of the aisle and there's not a lot of overlap. And so it, it, what happens is that that continues to further and further divide um, with both sides, not necessarily having the full picture. It's part of why podcasts like yours are so helpful yes, uh, to, um, to our and, culture. Uh, and also because you're part of the, like you're an educator itself and a teacher, mm -hmm. I would like to uh, uh, ask you a question is that, is the modern education system like failing? Um, because I with the traditional education system like failing because like people who get degrees and like uh, probably go onto this like really uh, lead have leadership qualities do not actually get the uh, get appropriate positions because I you would say that like okay uh, how can you differentiate people amongst the rest and mm -hmm. how is and uh, especially in the um, in politics itself, where you have the president, we have the prime minister, and how can you differentiate these people? Is the modern education, like not the modern, is traditional education system failing because of it? 
uh, Malcolm Gladwell, I'm sure, I'm sure you knew who Malcolm Gladwell is, did a really fascinating podcast on this last season in season five, I think, where he talked about um, meritocracy and the idea of, um, of a hypothetical world in which we assign positions based upon lottery right, right? Um, rather than by voting or by you know people trying to read your resume and judge who would be the best person to fill this job. Um, they, if you did it by lottery, it would actually be an even better system. We'll, we will never, it's a great thought experiment. We will never do that as a culture because we are ingrained with the notion that certain people hold certain attributes that make them better for certain positions than others. Um, but there's a lot of merit to, to that hypothetical. Um, the other is the modern educate is the traditional education system failing us. Um, I, I would answer that both yes and no. And by the no, I mean, I think actually, um, you know, I, I helped start a school here, um, that's based upon a progressive education. And I think, uh, that progressive education model has begun, um, to take some root here in the United States and elsewhere. Um, and it's the idea of putting, um, moving away from uh, knowledge-based education and moving towards uh, the idea of uh, problem solve, critical thinking and problem solving. Because of the internet, I, I don't care what year the American Civil War was. I can look that up on a computer. Like this idea of the facts, um, the facts, I don't, I don't necessarily need to memorize all these facts. What I need to know is to be able to how to problems to then look up those facts, um, how to access the information, and then how to interpret and utilize that information towards problem solving. Because I um, think that doesn't have that uh, sort of uh, problem solving, critical thinking, those sort of aspects. Right. I think that traditional education lacks in that regard. Um, but I think that the movement in education is more and more towards that progressive model of saying, you know what, I don't, I don't care whether or not um, you can memorize these dates or the, every state capital, none of that matters. Uh, what matters is again, your ability to access information and to then interpret and analyze the information. So in that regard, I would say, no, I think that we are moving more and more towards that model. Where I think, however, um, that, we, that the, the current education system is failing us is that, um, is that we put less and less accountability on kids um, and that we, we've gotten to a point in a society, you know, that everybody gets a medal, right? Like yes. if you, we run a race, right? We run a race with eight kids and every kid gets a medal. And um, I'm not against, it. Uh, I, I'm all for the idea of, of po giving positive reinforcement to all eight of those kids. But there's nothing wrong with um, with giving some great cheer to the kids uh, that made it to the top, right? And so the same thing academically. If um, we have a grading system and and that pushes kids towards better um, towards better excellence, towards um, doing that, and instead of holding kids accountable, what we what we see more and more um, is that. The, because parents advocate for their kids in a, in a different way than they used to, um, that we're being pushed more and more towards mediocrity rather than towards excellence. And we as a culture continue to evolve when we push and aspire towards, towards greatness and towards achievement, 
rather than just going, well, everybody gets the same. Um, and and I, I'm not a huge capitalist. Uh, I'm not like all for like the you know, people having obscene amounts of wealth, um, but rather like the idea of accountability for where, where we've achieved and, and how we move forward. That part of it, I think that's where I think the education system is failing us. Yeah, and uh, that's why you don't have the like uh, political leaders making the best effective choices in uh, obeying the rules of democracy. I would say, right? We we uh, <laughs> listen. Yeah. Um, regardless, I, I I I definitely fall on the left side of the political aisle, um, but by I, I, I there are Republicans Republicans people on the right that I would vote for. Um, but Donald Trump isn't one of them, right? Like that, like yeah. in voting for Donald Trump, we, he's not a smart human being <laughs> and he, and how he got his wealth, um, and the, the attributes that he brought to, to the table are just, um, are really, are really not things that we should be aspiring to. Um, but because of, uh, the way that our culture has shifted, um, he was inevitably, he got elected president fair and square in 2016. I, I think that we've seen signs of, um, I think that we have seen signs of shifts in our society um, where our values, are, clear value shifts um, that are not, that celebrate, um, that celebrate a lot more mediocrity and lack of achievement. It's more about who can, how many followers you can get on TikTok or whatever else, right? This is, these are the people that we applaud. Like when I think of my students and who they aspire to be, um, they talk about a lot of social influencers, people who have like on YouTube and things like that. And I'm like, shouldn't you be aspiring to be like somebody yeah get better idols <laughs> right yeah. like, like like doctors or right really impressive scientists regardless of how you feel about somebody like dr yes. fauci or right these should be the people that we're holding up as um as role models for kids but instead who are they aspiring to be other than people like kim kardashian <laughs> no like, thank you I thank you for that look by the way <laughs> that look is says it all um I, I, like we have a whole culture yeah. uh, in which yes, you're but like, famous like you can famous. learn from every person. I do believe that, but like I think that like celebrities having idols, um, having idols from celebrities, not the best uh, kind of uh, approach. I would say you would have like I don't know like I have I have had idols, but they were like in past history. Like I don't know, like um, I kind of liked um, who the I can't remember this woman's name. She was uh, in the Montgomery bus boycott because she, hmm. yeah, she she was inspiring to me. <laughs> she was really those, yeah. Those are the people that we yeah activists that's right yeah activists. People, well, people who who speak truth to power, yes. right? And that's what you're doing by this very podcast. Yes. Right. We should be holding up people like you, right, as people that we should that we should aspire towards. People that are raising a voice. Um, and I kind of like Emma Watson also. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I like Emma Watson as well, but that that notion though of um, of a cult of of celebrity rather than um 
rather than the the people that lie behind it. Um, that part of it, I think, is uh, that part of it. I think is where we see our culture failing us. Yeah. So I remember the name of the woman. She's Rosa Parks. Yeah. She the- sparked. Yeah. She sparked. Um, she was the reason that Martin Luther King emerged. And I think if if she wasn't there, like a lot of things would have not taken place in history. She pushed forward. Uh, my daughter, I'm glad that you brought up Rosa Parks because my daughter, uh, Rosa Parks is like my, my daughter did um, a school project on Rosa Parks. Yes. And uh, Rosa Parks has been her role model ever since. My daughter, if I, pro- if I told her, asked her who Kim Kardashian is, she would have no idea. <laughs> she has no, my daughter has, and she's 12. She's not like five, she's yes. 12. And she has no idea who Kim Kardashian is. Um, but she definitely knows who Rosa Parks is. And I think that we we need to push more in that direction towards yeah. what values do people, what values and attributes do people um, bring to the table and that we celebrate. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to sit there and say, oh, Kim Kardashian, there's nothing to gain from Kim Kardashian. No, there's absolutely, you can learn a lot from her life, actually. The, right. she, yeah, the way she approach, approaches her divorces and how she gets the property rights um, considering the law side of things. Yeah. I'm so interested in that area. Like, I think she handles the law side of things really well. Yeah. So right. I think you can learn something from her. But like, I, I, I wouldn't, um, like, she wouldn't be a role model for me. First, so. Or Right. We have to understand and limit our what perspective we take on folks. Yeah. I um, when I, as a young kid, uh, there was a basketball player. His name was Larry Bird, and he was uh, played for the Boston Celtics. And I, I just loved him. Now, I, I'm not a tall guy. I, I'm never going to have his basketball talent. So um, me trying to aspire to be him was would have been ludicrous. But later in his life, uh, it turned out that he had um, had a number of had a number of affairs, had cheated on his wife a number of times, and had uh, a number of children um, outside of wedlock. Now, I'm not here to try to judge other human beings or anything else either. Um, but those that um, right when we that lack of commitment, you know, keeping our promises, holding true to the, and having some sort of integrity. Um, that's not a value that I can get from that. So we, when we take a look at the people that we hold up, even Martin Luther King had attributes um, that were questionable. Um, He too cheated on his wife. There was, there was adultery, um, but that doesn't take away from the things that Martin Luther King did teach us and the, the wonderful aspects that he brought to our society. Yeah. That, that side of things also, because like, um, People make mistakes and then they learn throughout the course of their lives, I think, because not everybody's perfect uh, when they're just born. So I think that like everybody's learning in their in the course of their lives. So, yeah, they, uh, they're going to make mistakes going on. And I think that uh, what Martin Luther King did was like really, um, really good for the society. Well, it was real. I mean, it was it's huge. He was one of my true one of my true role models as a kid, yeah. like uh, one of the people I really um, held up and respected because of how much he changed society. And of course, United, the United States is really, um, is a really uh, great- It's a salad full of dressing. 
<laughs> that's it that's now that's an interesting metaphor i hadn't heard that one before um but we do we have a lot more our um our culture is really diverse um part of the reason our culture is diverse is because of the really checkered dark past um slavery played in our in our nation's history and so um a lot of people came here by choice yes but a lot of people didn't so yeah, so in my country, we call Americans like they act like the salad full of dressing. <laughs> <laughs> as I said, I had not heard that one before. Um, we as Americans get a lot of interesting, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of very interesting aspects to us culturally uh, and the way that the world perceives us. Yeah, because I think um, like everybody looks up to uh, Americans. They're like, yes. Yes and no, right? Like you, you're in France. There are a lot of uh, folks um, in France that, rightful, that rightfully, in my opinion, uh, question the United States. And, uh, and yeah, we do too, but we look up to United States as well. So we, yeah. Yeah, we all, we follow whatever United States is doing. Like, I think that it's, uh, yeah, but we also question it at the same time. But we have these, yeah, sort of metaphors going on uh, within the entire school as well. It's so, interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. the pandemic, not so much, right? The pandemic, um, I think here we are standing at this moment in time when both France and Italy are looking to potentially, um, you know, and I think I think France has already Macron has already come out and said says to the effect of, "Hey, we're if you aren't vaccinated, you're not. We're going to have vaccine passports." Um, and the United States is really reticent to do that. Um, it, it, and will they at some point or another? I don't know. Um, but that's a great example of where France and Italy um, and some of the European nations might be. Uh, might be leading the way in the direction that we're going. Whether, again, whether you think of that as a good thing or a bad thing, um, sometimes I think that some of, like, it, sometimes the world is more innovative. And certainly the Scandinavian countries, um, man, the Scandinavian yes. countries are great. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Anyways, um, how has culture shifted for better and for worse over the past 50 years that was in your profile? Over the past how many years? 50 years. Oh, I think we've talked a lot about that so far. You know, I, I think that culture, um, it, there are some really wonderful things about culture. Like if we think about how much more inclusive our society is today, um, and, and we saw it first in, in racial, in, in, right, racial acceptance, um, you, we were, you were joking about how old school you were being born in the 90s. But uh, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s, um, the, idea of, um, the idea of gay people having the rights that they have now and being fully, not just, I, I hate the word tolerance because tolerance <laughs> says that there's still a problem, right? Like, yes. oh, okay, like you're, <laughs> yes. you're gay, we'll tolerate you. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be accepted for exactly yes. who I am, right? <laughs> and um, and so we've we've shifted towards not just um, a tolerance of uh, of the gay community, but embracing the gay community. 
and, and so the um I think in some in so many ways, um, because and the internet has has um, has been a big part of proliferating this uh, acceptance of all peoples, um, including and, and we're seeing that now with transgender, right? We're finally seeing people um, being embraced for just who they are. That part of it, that part of our culture, um, the the idea that we're moving more towards racial, um, sexual equality across the board for all people, that part is fabulous. Where, as we've talked about, where I've seen culture shift towards the negative um, is this inherent isolationism. This idea of us moving away from um, interacting with our fellow human beings. And part of it we see as a backlash towards that, towards all of that equality, the people who still hold a lot of those prejudices um, then go onto social media um, and use that as a platform for, to spew that hatred. Um, and there's a greater anonymity um, in the way that we interact with each other so that I can go out and say horrible, horrible things about people um, and sit back behind my keyboard um, and not have to take ownership and accountability of looking somebody in the face and saying the same things that I can sit there and type online. Um, that part of it, I think, has become, uh, that part of it, I think, is problematic. Um, and that part of the culture shift, I think, is, is towards the negative. It, um, technology is a great thing when it brings us together, um, but I question it when it starts to push us further apart. Yeah, because I think you can't convey your full thoughts and like um, through social media as, as well. So many people can misunderstand you to think that you are not an open-minded person because I think that through social media, we just show or uh, we are capable of showing one side of us. Right. Yeah. And that stirs up a lot of commotion, misunderstandings and a lot of division as well a lot of division um but it also it allows us like we talked about before to retreat into our own corners yes. right it used to be um like I, I do i have a number of friends of mine that are very different than me politically and i i um you know i've run my own podcast as you know um and i had a former student of mine he's also a filmmaker um a brilliant a brilliant young man and uh he and i don't always see eye to eye politically and i i invited him on the podcast recently and at first he didn't want to do it he's like you and i don't agree on this and i was like exactly yeah <laughs> like, exactly. that's why like, you that's the come. point yeah that's the point <laughs> right exactly um, yeah. and when we you know um as i said when technology brings us more together it's fantastic like it should be we should feel safe to have a, um, an intelligent discussion about where we disagree and where our, our points of view might differ. Um, but instead, we, we find ourselves retreating back to um, an ideological community um, that reinforces our viewpoints without, with, and our perspectives without challenging them. Um, and we've seen that a lot in the pandemic, right? That people, there are very few people in the middle about any of this. And that's why I think your podcast is fantastic is because um, it's there for information. Yeah. Yeah. Informational purposes. People can see the bigger picture. 
because right. yeah nobody nobody can see the big picture especially when something like this ha- takes place in the world right yeah and i would say that another um another component we didn't talk about is the need for natural acquired uh, immunity it's yeah uh, yeah some people who don't decide to take the vaccine will have to rely on their natural acquired immunity to survive yeah the people i mean some of the people that haven't taken the vaccine understandably got covid right yeah. Uh, and developed antibodies. Yeah. If I had had that happen, I probably wouldn't have taken the vaccine either. I'd wait until um, I'd continue to get tested yes. for my antibodies. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me recently, um, they got COVID uh, back in March or April of yes. 2020. Um, and they got tested just a couple of weeks ago. And they still um, they still have sufficient antibodies to prevent COVID. That's a sign that... Um, you know, that if, uh, if our, anti- our immune system is still able to have enough antibodies a year later, yeah. um, that's, a, that's a great sign for those folks who've gotten it already to say, listen, I, I probably am not going to get vaccinated. Yeah, because like we have our own defense system as well. So yeah, I, yeah. Um, the, a lot of it depends on how strong we are, actually. Right. Yeah, and uh, this is where, you know, when we were talking earlier about yes. washing your hands and how, yes. how strong your immune system is. Um, but again, we also can do things to try to strengthen that immune system. Yes. One of it is taking care of our body. Our bodies. Yes. And I think that um, this is my perspective. You can agree with it or not. I'm not going to attack you for it. But uh, yeah, so I think that um, I think people should take the vaccines when the death rate like lowers from the vaccination itself and it uh, I think it needs like um, a few more years for it to become more effective against people I I it's interesting we do differ on our opinion there and I I don't know that we have that much time you know that we're we're starting to see um, healthier with the new the new delta variant we're starting to see healthier and healthier people um, have more and more impact right it's it's more yeah. virulent um in its impact and i don't know if we have necessarily all the time to wait to see about the vaccine but um but that's again I, yeah, this depends, kind of dialogue depends, is yeah it depends on how how we are located uh, how many people they are going to see every day and uh how how like there should be kind of like an equation or something like this that uh, how uh, most, how likely are you uh, going to actually contract the virus itself? Because that's what I have kind of evaluated and that's why I made the decision as well. I take my natural immunity. I trust <laughs> my natural immunity because the way I've been kind of isolated is uh, kind of one thing. And the other thing is that um, I, I, for some reason, I'm like, sure, I won't get it. I'm I'm protecting myself. Yeah, I I am like confident about it. I um I have not been, you know, during all this. Sorry, I'm just gonna put down my window. I was getting that'll be sitting up to me better. Um we uh I I I didn't know one way or another. I don't um I certainly interact with enough people (laughs) that uh I thought you know it was a possibility. Um and uh, I feel fairly confident now that I'm vaccinated that I won't. Um, 
I did feel really confident from the beginning that if I got it, that I would be, that I'd survive. You know, I, I felt, always felt fairly confident that I'm healthy, um, that I keep pretty good care of myself, that I would survive the virus. Yes. I did, however, like my circumstances were fairly unique in the, as I said, my, my ex-wife, who is the mother of my children, you know, prefer not to see her die. It sounds like yeah. it would be bad. Um, and she is immune compromised because of the medication that she takes. So um, a lot of the, that informed a lot of my decision-making was yes. it wasn't just about me. Yes. It was about uh, the impact that if I got it, what that could mean for other people in my because, life. Yes. And culture also plays a role. I don't know about uh, Western culture. Do they always go for every little thing to the doctors? <laughs> it's probably true. Um, I uh, I do not I I do not fall in that camp. I almost never see the doctor. In fact, I probably I probably am well overdue uh, just for like a routine uh, routine checkup. But yes, I think as a culture we do, um, and that we rely on. Uh, to be honest, I think that we've become far more reliant upon the pharmaceutical industry. Yes. Um, um, I that's why I think that uh, having, you know, your own gadgets and having prescriptions uh, at home itself is like such a convenient idea for me because I come from a culture that is like mostly relying on our natural immunity because we have, uh, I was brought up with the concept of Ayurveda to kind of like heal. So kind of like my generation. Um, so people from my family and people, uh, people of my family who came from generations and generations ago they were they kind of relied on their natural immunity and they've stayed like some of them above 100 years yeah that's <laughs> right that's a great sign um and uh and i do i i am really leery it's funny i fall up clearly i fall on the side of the of the vaccination camp right like they, yes. they for the most part i'm all for the vaccine um, and I know it comes with some inherent risks, yes. uh, but I think that the risks clearly outweigh the, the negatives. And yet that's the only medication. Like, like when, <laughs> when I just uh, took a trip to Mexico with my girlfriend and, um, and like, you know, she, she had like all these med like, like a whole yeah. like thing full of medica like, me you know, medication she takes. I have none. <laughs> I have <laughs> None. I don't take medication for anything. And, um, and I, and I, as a general whole, am leery, I'm really, really leery of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I do believe that there are a, a, a far more in homeopathic remedies. Um, you know, we as a, we as humanity managed to get by without the pharmaceutical industry for thousands and thousands of years. Um, but that I also, I, I tend to fall in the middle ground. If I were to develop cancer tomorrow, uh, I would go to Western medicine to try to treat it. Um, but I do think that we've rushed to, I think we rushed towards the pharmaceutical industry way too quickly. Yeah. Anyways, uh, one last question. And yeah. yeah, and because we actually, actually touched on all of these questions, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Anyways, um, how has the internet contributed the notions of free speech in the midst of cancer culture? Oh, that's, uh, that's a really fascinating one. I've written about cancel culture uh, quite a bit recently because I find it, um, this again is where 
I think that truly uh, think true thinkers um, can find some middle ground. Um, I'm all for the notion of um, of the internet and and free speech. Um, and I generally, as I said, I I embrace all of the values of equality and diversity. Um, right, I, I I am you know I am all for I, I am pro gay, pro transgender, pro right. I am for the equality of all peoples. But that's my perspective, and I think the problem that we that we see with cancel culture is that somehow or another. Um, it it ironically tries to to quiet and um, and silence um, other voices that have differing opinions, and that to me m misses the entire mark of what equality is supposed to be about, right? That we can um, that we can celebrate our ideological differences. You have a right to be a racist bigot if you want to be. It, it, it's not me. I, I, I in no way, shape or form agree with you, but that doesn't mean that I need to silence you. And the, um, and the line that I finished one of my columns with is that we have to, um, we have to get to a point where we, we believe enough in the, in, the, um, in the discerning public to be able to know a jerk when they hear one. Right. Like we just because someone say, say someone's anti-Semitic and, and says things about against against the Jewish population. I know they're an idiot. I don't need to I don't need to shut them up in order to um, in order to know how stupid their point of view is. And I don't know if you've ever been to Hyde Park in London, um, but they have uh, what's called, uh, you know, um, speakers, speakers corner where they. Um, where people get up on a soapbox um, and and can say whatever they want. And when I was there, I remember I watched um, I watched a, a one gentleman get up and talk about how women should be back in the should be barefoot and pregnant that they should. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sitting there going, "Oh God, I so disagree with you." I was raised by a single mom, so my mom was. I, I'm very much a feminist. Um, but I wouldn't tell him, I, I'm, I'm not going to shout him down and tell him to shut up. I'm going to let him continue to speak and trust in the people that are listening to him to know that he's, that, that his opinion is, um, is horribly misguided. This notion of um, the internet was always, the internet has opened up the opportunity for everyone to have a voice, but what do we use that tool to do? but to try to silence so many of those voices, especially the ones that disagree with us. Um, and I think that's, that's where uh, liberalism is missing its point. Yeah, but the thing is that like um, a lot of people kind of like the control, I would say. That's why they are kind of doing this. So I was like, I came from a culture that uh, kind of like, uh, those like those the men being in the supreme part of the kind of, the um, the man was like the supreme person of the family let's say right like a president of a country but he often kind of like behaved in a way of a dictator which I kind of like disagree and they don't let the kind of their wives like run their own business which is that I 
uh, I am kind of like a black sheep. Okay, <laughs> I just, I just came, I was born. And then I was like, um, after a few years, I think I was thinking to myself, this is not the life. This is not how life should be. I mean, like, I completely, that's why I completely follow the Western culture because they have freedom. Right. But I don't have to, I don't have to silence other voices. You, we completely agree on that. Yes. Right. I am, as I said, I am a, I am a complete feminist. Uh, my mom was a single mom raising me on her own. She was an incredibly strong human being. Um, and there is no, and I raised my daughter. I mean, I have a daughter. Um, I remember uh, when um, in 2016, um, my next door neighbor, um, you know, the whole thing came out with Trump and he was talking about grabbing women by the right. Mm -hmm. uh, if you remember that comment yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, and it was horribly sexist. And, um, and I found it incredible as a, as a, um, as the father of a young woman, um, I found it so appalling and disgusting that a, a major, somebody who was running for president could say, could, could say something like that about women. And so my next door neighbor had a Trump sign in his yard. And I almost went next door and said, you know what? I have a daughter and I, I, I'm offended by that. Could you take it down? And yeah. then I realized, no, mm -hmm. no. No, the whole notion of um, the only way that we're going to evolve in our society is not by telling those telling people who are sexist and racist and and homophobic and all those things and tell them you're wrong and you're stupid and you need to accept and embrace everyone. That's not how we're going to evolve as a society. Well, they have to learn by themselves. We have to we have to stand up and tolerate. Uh, tolerate and even embrace viewpoints that are different than our own yeah. um that doesn't mean that we can't engage in a dialogue and 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 expose their ignorance um but to sit there and shout it down and try to silence them and tell them you can't you know we're going to take away your social media platform because you said something sexist or racist no um we have to we have to encourage them to speak their voice too and then trust that everyone around them will realize how ignorant that point of view is. Yeah, I think uh, when, we, when people have a chance to actually speak out their uh, kind of like their um, their kind of point of view, I think they learn they get a chance to actually learn from other people. And I right. think that's that's what's actually beautiful because like not many people can actually have do have the opportunity to learn from other people. Maybe they have like maybe obligations that we don't even know restrictions right. that we don't even know and that kind of opportunity um when they have that kind of opportunity to learn and when people can like correct them and say like it's it's a part of their lives they are they're not born perfect i was i would say so i think um the free speech is kind of like a beautiful thing you get to learn as well I made a lot of mistakes in my life and I thought that like previously when I was a kid, like I used to think that culture was uh, like our culture was correct and stuff like this. And then I, I when I grew older, I kind of figured out this is what the culture is the main reason why I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we evolve as, you know, my, um, 
my dad occasionally, and my dad's a really great human being. And, um, uh, but he, you know, he's 70, he's 76 years old. So he has some older values. And my dad one day said something about, I, I can't remember what the joke was, but he told this joke that was um, sort of homophobic, right? And my son lectured him about it and said, Opa, you know, I, I really find that joke offensive because, and he explained why. He didn't try to silence my dad or tell him you can't tell jokes like yeah. that. He explained explained why he found that joke offensive. And my dad, I think my dad grew a little bit as a human being because of it. Um, I think my dad, uh, you know, and here he is 76 years old and continuing to evolve as a human being. Um, it's We only continue to evolve when we embrace free speech yes. and dialogue not when we close ourselves off to it yes i think when i was a kid i it was like definitely closed off and i was like mimicking like my parents and what their beliefs were right. and yeah and that's where it went all wrong and then when i learned i kind of like taught them as well and that's why they're getting adjusted to the kind of new life um that we are living in right now in a western country so yes. yeah, so they're little by little getting adjusted even um, about the homophobic jokes. My mom also kind of makes it. And then I try to explain why is it bad and stuff like this. And she learns, like I realized that she learns a lot through me. Like, isn't that a beautiful thing? Yes. Right. And we continue, you, you asked, we were talking about this when you asked me how has culture gotten better in the past yes. 50 years? It's that way. Yeah. It's in the way that we, um, we're not going to develop and, and, and make culture better by ramming that, that, that mindset and that perspective of embrace of inclusion, right, for everybody, like total inclusivity for everybody, no matter whether they're gay, they're transgender, they're black, they're whatever they are, right, One, female, doesn't matter, that we openly embrace and include everybody. You're not going to ram that down someone's throat. The way that we've evolved as a culture is that um, our dialogue has continued to allow people to be more, uh, to, to have, to share that insight. In that regard, I have a lot of hope for us. Um, it's a much different world than when I was born in 1971. Yeah. It's even different than when you were born. In yes, the it was. But like, I, I'm so glad that I'm not like a technology freak where I always look at, uh, like dive into Instagram and like only look at celebrity pictures. I'm like glad I'm not a person like that. Oh, no, I, that part of culture, as I yeah. said, I've, I'm more leery of, um, but, um, but that's part of the ebb and flow of oh, the yes. beauty of all things, right? Something that's real, you had to come into realization, even the kids nowadays, I like, you have to come into realization that for me, I, I tried TikTok and I was, I was getting bored of it. <laughs> I was like, what is this? This is not, this is not significant. It's not doing anything in my life. <laughs> I, I, you know, I have, I, I taught, I have a 12 and a 14 year old at home and I have, uh, I, you know, I taught kids of that age and I've had them show me the TikTok. I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of like uh, people people kind of realize that in different ages. I guess it's like it's how fast, how 
how willing they are to learn that this isn't the right way to do things. I mean, <laughs> you could actually like, if it's like something to do with your business or brand, like I would be like, go for it. <laughs> but if it's like, uh, it's like just dancing and doing like weird stuff. <laughs> just right. Um, I think we've become a culture where anything that we can to get noticed, yes. right? Notice me, notice me, notice me, notice me, pay attention to me. Um, and I think that that misses the larger, right? Like that the world is a far more global place um, when everybody, and I think that's a particularly American phenomenon, right? Because yeah. we are so, <laughs> right? We are so self-involved as a country, um, but we've spread that globally to this self-involvement. Um, we as a culture and we as human beings evolve um, when we, when we spread ourselves outwards and not having to have everything focus on us. Um, when we spread our, the, when we spread what's inside to the world outside of us, rather than having the outside world try to focus on us. Yeah. Thank you for joining our podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I really, um, it was an absolute delight. I can't wait to, um, yeah, I, I just, it was a really an absolutely wonderful experience. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, uh, and um, I will uh, contact you again when we can have you so we can discuss on other topics as well. If you have something interesting to discuss, uh, you can send me a message as well. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation I had with Stephen Craig and uh, make sure you like, share um, my videos as well, the Interior Academy and also spread spread this podcast. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon, Audibles, um, Google and uh, it basically you can play it in any device it's uh, even put out to like random podcast websites so you won't miss it also tell your friends like share this because everybody needs to know like the right information because there's a lot of misinformation as well out there so I'm trying to like take what's the correct information and distinguish with the wrong information because I have this knowledge from medical uh, medical college so why don't I use it uh, just to educate you on the fact that this is right this is false there's a lot of misinformation and um, you can get confused in it all so I'm just here and my responsibility is to warn you to educate you and so you be aware of everything what's happening in the pandemic. I am your host, Rashni Hevawasam, and I am signing out. I hope you enjoyed the series so far. We are trying to get doctors in here as well, trying our very best. And see you next time on Teo Podcast.